This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Hi, I'm Katherine Klein. I'm a professor in the management department at Wharton and the vice dean for social impact. And I'm going to be speaking today with John Montgomery, founder and chief investment officer of Bridgeway Capital Management. Uh, And I'm just really looking forward to this conversation to really explore with you, John, what it means to be a values-driven company. So... Welcome. Thanks Thank for you. meeting with me. It's great to be here. It really is. So, John, you uh, 22 years ago, you founded Bridgeway Capital Management, over $4 billion in assets. Um, and obviously, your financial success is very important. And another striking example of uh, an uh, aspect of your company is the extent to which you're values-driven. And um, so I know from our conversations and from your website that you say consistently, the core values of integrity, performance, efficiency, and service guide your company. Yes. And what's so striking to me about that, you know, integrity, performance, efficiency, and service, a lot of companies say this. I mean, to the point where I I actually put in Google company values, put these four in, (laughs) and Bridgeway Capital Management is not the only company that espouses these four values. My sense is you, your company lives them. In a, and enacts them more fully than many companies. Um, so, so let's start by that by, by talking about that. What does it mean to live these values in your company? How would we see that? Well, um, you know, I think of a report card on those, and sometimes that's actually an edgy conversation. Um, but from 22 years ago, uh, I took uh, time, more time than most people take in starting a venture, um, to actually write. Uh, the mission statement of Bridgeway. So really put a lot of thought into the values and trying to answer the question, so, so how would you know? So this was baked in from the beginning. It was baked in from the beginning. Yeah. So uh, our mission statement has has been tweaked some. So there are a few words that are different, and we've uh, crafted some of the wording mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, better. But the four business values are exactly as, um, as we wrote them down uh, 22 years ago. And... Um, Integrity is at the top of the list, and that actually is in a specific order. So we like to say integrity trumps the other ones. It's actually probably the hardest to measure and yeah. the hardest to um, know, are we, are we actually doing what we mean to say here? Um, so service, you know, in, in a service industry, there mm-hmm. are some ways to measure service. You mm-hmm. can, you know, interview your clients and their metrics to do that. So reasonably, you have, have some clues right. on what you're doing service-wise. Investment performance-wise, in our industry, there are some very clear um, metrics. Right. The, the return part is much easier than the risk part, disagreement about the risk. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. as an industry for something that you're producing, we actually have very strong metrics on that. Integrity? Well, okay, so it means we don't lie, cheat, and steal. Well, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good much, beginning. That's a, that is a good <laughs> beginning. In the financial services business, you can absolutely right. take that for a given. Right. But, but, but essentially, or almost everybody in any industry walks around thinking they're a good person. Right. Um, it's, it's a disconnect not to be able to, um, to say that. Actually doing it and having very high standards is much, is much different, and how do you know? So um, I think of um, one of the questions is, um, how do you? How, how is it just not a word on a piece of paper? Right. So let me describe a couple of ways in which that's true. Great. Um, 
Uh, one is uh, in the hiring process. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're really want to seriously be about a company of integrity, you makes a big difference who you hire. Um, and we look for people who can distinguish aspects of integrity. So you're not just saying to people, well, honesty is important. Are you honest? That's right. Uh, because, you know, you're going to get what you, what you uh, <laughs> right. think out of that. One of the, um, one of the partners at Bridgeway um, in his early career mm-hmm. worked for two weeks under the top leadership of Enron in the early mm-hmm. stages of mm-hmm. Enron. Yeah. Now, I come from Houston. Everybody in Houston knows somebody that worked for Enron, right. and typically it took out their career, their savings, and, and their retirement all in one fell swoop. Right. Um, the partner at Bridgeway in two weeks came home to his wife and said the following, I can't work for these people. They're crooks. Wow. Now, this was more than a decade before things blew up over, in my view, issues of integrity. Right. And I believe even... Um, so, so one is we, we look for that, people that have mm-hmm. that kind of intent. I'm like, and wow, kind of radar. I certainly didn't see that. I had right. other friends at Enron. They didn't see that uh, coming. So what is it about this man who has that mm-hmm. strong an antenna for, right. um, for well, in his, in his words, you know, uh, uh, a crook. So I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not here to, to dissect uh, Enron, but it was a but right. it but was a, a specific instance. The other one that comes to me is in the hiring process. Um, we try and specifically go after the issue of integrity, and, and mm-hmm. on my team we have done a role play um, that basically is intended to paint you into a corner yeah. um, of either telling a white lie or being disloyal to the company. Mm. And you can see people, you know, as you're, you know, you're role playing. You kind of, you can see there's like, uh oh, <laughs> now what do I do? Right, right. Um, because like, I'm, you know, if I'm disloyal to the company, I'm probably not going to get this job. But, and this is just a little white lie. It's not a, you know, it's be like, I'm out to lunch. Yeah. Like this, you're so you're asked to do that, represented on behalf of somebody else. At Bridgeway, our standard is, you don't lie, and. Uh, your word of integrity, being true to your mm-hmm. word, is very, very important. Yeah. Now, it gets harder than that. I'm, I consider myself a person of integrity. I have a very hard time getting places on time. But if I tell somebody I'm going to be somewhere at a particular time and I'm not there, where is my integrity in that, in that word? Right. And, what, and how do people see that? That's, that's complicated. In, a, in, in some cultures, there would be no expectation to be there literally you know, right on time. And ours, it tends to have some other um, negative consequences. So I myself struggle with um, areas of integrity, but the role play brings that out. And you can just see in the role play a, a one in time where they're like, oh, if I go this way. Right. Um, and I've had people, you know, say the white lie, uh, and then you decompress it afterwards and say things like, well, you know, when I was in college and I had a roommate, I did this. It's just what people do. Right. It's just polite. It's just, you know, it's people do it. People expect it. They don't Mm -hmm. literally mean, you know, think that you're out to lunch. It's just an excuse. Um, We're continually trying to move in the direction uh, of the highest standards of integrity uh, that we can. So that's the second one. The third one that I would say that gets down to the actual operations of Bridgeway would Mm be um, we have an internal slogan that goes like this. What's in the best long-term interest of current investors at Bridgeway. Mm-hmm. Every, every 
adjective and, and word in that sentence is very, very specific. It's long-term. It's not just what we can do to cut corners now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you, like you lose revenue-generating opportunities when you're really serious about that. And it's current investors, not the next one that we hope to get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have opportunities to make a trade-off in terms of how you spend your time. That's a very active um, question. We want our investors to know that when they're not in the room, right. that we're thinking literally about their best interest. And this, and this phrase, what's in the best long-term interest of current investors, is a way to help draw us back in. So in, just in operational decisions, we'll sometimes go write the four business values on the, uh, uh -huh. on the board and say, how does this inform our decision? Or say, is there any way in which our slogan is being compromised right. by entering into this operation? So let me ask you about some other practices and, and things, uh, you know, very strong, defining, and distinctive practices that you, that you have um, that I assume are a f reflection of your values. And, I'll, and I will... So in order of importance, perhaps, or important, uh, striking to me anyway, I would say, number one, Bridgeway uh, donates 50% of its profits to support charitable and nonprofit causes, organizations, yes. every year. So 50% of your profits, you donate. Number two, you maintain a seven-to-one salary ratio for all full-time employees. So you, as the most, you know, the founder, the, the, the chief investment officer of Bridgeway, are making seven times what your lowest-paid full-time employee could make. I can only imagine, you probably know, what that differential is in if you were with another firm. Uh, and... Um, did I use the word employees? I think I just used the word employees. Oh, I think you did, Catherine. <laughs> and, and you never use the word employees, right? So that would away. be a third one. We yeah, can, so those we can were the three. Fifty percent right? of after-tax profits to support uh, nonprofits. Seven to one salary ratio. Don't call them employees. So tell us about those decisions, how they reflect your values, and how they create a culture that's distinctive for Bridgeway. Okay. Um, well, some of these things, there's just a a natural evolution or mm -hmm. something in time, and then you work out the details or the implications of. Um, the giving back half uh, is one way we say it. Right. Uh, Ed Bridgeway was, um, a, a, frankly, a very naive idea from the very beginning, and it went like this. Um, I'm thinking about leaving my secure job in another industry that has a paycheck associated with it to start a company, an investment advisory firm, in an industry where I've never worked before. Most people don't make that transition right. quite in that way. But I thought I had some um, skills and gifts in, in investing and had been doing it personally for six years and had a reason why I thought the structure and using quantitative methods in investing um, worked and would be right. a good idea. It's a low-cost way to do what we do. And if you're successful in our industry, um, you have the revenues. And if you're lower cost, then you have very strong profits. So I'm thinking about the structure of this, and there's mm -hmm. some other wonderful financial characteristics, but thinking about this and thinking like, okay, this should actually be a very profitable company um, if we do this, and what will we do with that money? My wife and I were 37 at mm -hmm, the time, mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, we've already kind of achieved the level of the American dream that, well, beyond what we aspired to or thought when we were courting in college. Right. Um, I thought I'd be making the equivalent today of maybe $60,000 a year in the path that I um, thought. So we had a house, um, you know, we had a car. Uh, at that point, I guess we had two cars. 
Um, we had children. We were on our way to saving enough for their college education. Like we were on track um, on all the things. And I, I, um, I had some reservation about too much. Mm-hmm. So too much isn't always a good thing in a lot of areas in life. And I think that's true about money as well. So I had this uh, dilemma and in conversation with my wife. I'm not sure an investment manager could say that. <laughs> but you just did, so. I did. <laughs> that's true. Um, which I think actually, I think that's a powerful thing in, inside our industry. But you're right, it's unusual. So um, uh, we thought, uh, well, if we gave half away, mm-hmm. then it, there would be less and it wouldn't be as big of a problem. It was. I mean, that was literally the yeah, thought process. The it wasn't any more complicated right than that. Yeah. I didn't go out and do right. surveys like I do for some things. It was just a thought. Um, and then I started thinking, well, well if you did that, um, maybe you could have that be part of the fabric of Bridgeway. So right. I was in the process of writing a mission statement and the idea of giving back and attracting people to our organization who similarly wanted to make a really strong difference in their life. And the, and the giving back half provides some resources to help uh, reinforce that. Right. Of the 12 good ideas in starting Bridgeway that I thought I have, P.S. nine of them probably weren't marketable. Um, two of them uh, were, and so we're here today, and that's great. But the one, the concept of giving back, which is a pretty naive um, idea then, mm-hmm. very few role models I didn't have. There are some today, more, uh, happily, um, was uh, just a naive idea, but the single most powerful, 10 times more powerful than I had any idea of at the time. So I do want to hear about these, these other aspects of the company, the 7 to 1 ratio and so on. But uh, tell us about what this, you know, the, the, why this is so powerful. In what way has this been powerful? Now, Bridgeway Foundation has done some remarkable things. Um, but in, in what ways has, has this giving back been powerful? Um, the leverage of it is huge. And frankly, it's just fun. Um, so sometimes I think, you know, if more business people could get inside my head and see how powerful it is for the business mm-hmm. and how fun it is just by way of living life. Like their philanthrop- corporate philanthropy would just skyrocket. So sadly, I'm not, I haven't gotten the key to communicating that uh, well. But on the business side, mm-hmm. just as an example, we are able to attract more people. And we know from research that the millennial generation yeah. is more attuned uh, to this conversation of wanting to make a difference. So we say if you're all about making, you know, a seven-figure salary, you can do that in our industry other places. You can't do that at Bridgeway. That's right. the seven-to-one cap. But um, you share in the profits through our um, stock ownership plan that everyone, mm-hmm. all the full-time partners at Bridgeway, that's all the full-time people um, uh, committed with a long-term relationship uh, at Bridgeway um, have. So um, you're able to attract people that you wouldn't, be able to otherwise, and you get to keep them longer. And that's a part that's also very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, so it's not that people never leave Bridgeway and, and we're not trying to create golden handcuffs to keep people there, but we're trying to create an amazing place to work about people serious about the service that we provide, investment right. advisory services, and giving back at the same time. On my team, the investment advisory team, we've lost one portfolio manager or researcher in 20 years. Amazing. So it's, I would say that's. So despite this, the seven to one, uh, and maybe not even despite the seven to one salary cap, I mean, in part because of that, you're still able to attract great talent and talent who want, who comes to Bridgeway and want, and and those folks want to stay. And in the early years, and people like John, that's crazy. You know, a you won't be able to attract them, and b you'll train them up and lose them. Right. In 20 years, we haven't lost anybody. 
at Bridgeway over that. We've had people move away for family reasons or, um, you know, other reasons, though our turnover's uh, quite low. Um, but this hasn't hit the radar screen. I can't say it never will, right. um, but uh, that hasn't been a problem yet. And, and, and how do you think the 7 to 1 salary ratio affects the dynamics within your company, the set of relationships among your partners? It just it sends a signal that we're about something else. Mm-hmm. So, frankly, you know, my, my salaries of a public record, it's easy to live off of it. Nobody's going to cry about the 7. Right. Um, but it's damped down like the president of our company could easily make twice as much if he wanted to just earn more at another place. Could he have the quality of life that he has in his home life that we intentionally try and support for all the partners at Bridgeway? Um, would he have the opportunities and giving that he has um, serving on boards and potable water is one of his um, big things. He's mm-hmm. done some amazing things there. You know, you, you only get to live life one way. You don't really know. Um, but these are big things. Right, right. We hear, we hear stories of spouses uh, talk about Bridgeway and what it's meant in their lives. And that's when you really think, okay, we really have something here. Yeah, so we're going to need to wrap this up shortly. I'm interested in how your partners influence your philanthropy. So part of, I know you have a passion uh, and a deep commitment to ending genocide. It's not the, the only kind of work that you're funding through the Bridgeway Foundation. So how are you connecting partners who are coming to you, you know, for this social mission in part, for this very distinctive company? How do they drive the philanthropy? That, that your company enables. So we're still creating that. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a creative process mm-hmm. at Bridgeway. We've done some very creative things along the way, um, uh, and we are very happy to borrow ideas from other people. So um, one is uh, uh, we have a um, a desig- what we call a designation, which means a certain amount of money um, that every partner has to give away. We send it to their donor advised fund. In the early mm-hmm. years of Bridgeway, this is problematic because like there's certain things as Bridgeway we don't want to support. Right. And we finally said, look, we trust these people enough to have them be partners at Bridgeway. Um, uh, and the donor advised fund provided a way to give it to that entity and then they control, uh, where it literally goes from that. So that was one step. Another step is the um, affinity groups or committees um, mm-hmm. that we've had at Bridgeway over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. So that's where groups of partners get together to go after some topics. So we've had one on microfinance, uh, for example, internationally. Had one on potable water, two on education. These are areas that partners are particularly interested in. My personal area of passion is peacemaking and ending genocide. So this is a life calling on my part, and it's a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, and I'm very passionate about it. And uh, and the other partners support this as as part of what we call the core mission at Bridgeway. Um, but everybody's called to, you know, a different area. And based mm-hmm. on your own experiences in life, you may be more powerful in one place than another. We don't want to discourage that. We want to light that up. So it took us probably 10 years to figure this out and how to how to start these, you know, like giving groups and involving the partners more in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and money is part of it, but it's also volunteering. It's also serving on boards. It's just being creative about tr- what we call transformational change at Bridgeway. Yeah. So last question. I can imagine people listening to this conversation and at once thinking, this sounds great. I believe these values. You know, I, I want to do this. I want to be part of this kind of company. I want to create this kind of company. And on the other hand, thinking, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I don't have time in my work role to, to drive this forward in my company. 
What's your response to those who who may be attracted to what you're you know, and inspired by what you're doing and simultaneously thinking, too hard, too much time. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, well, I think about that like this. I think about. Um, uh, I tell a story about life stages, mm. and I say, if you think that at 20 years old, you're too young, you're too inexperienced, you have, uh, you know, student loans to pay off, um, uh, nobody's going to listen to you, then, and at, and at 80, you think, I'm too old, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm spent. People won't right. listen to me because I'm too old. I might not be able to remember right. uh, the conversation. Then I guarantee you at 40, mm. what you'll be saying is, I've got a big mortgage. I've got kids whose college education mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. fund. I've got all these demands on my life. There's no way. Right. There is no time of life or situation where you either can or can't do it. It's a decision that you make in how you spend your life. So at any of those stages... You know, live your life fully, be about something important. And if you're too busy, make the decision to figure out how to, how to reduce that. There was, when I was age 37, uh, there was a, a moment in time where I had a kind of a breakthrough on I was too busy. And, yeah. and it was clear to me I was too busy. So I took some dramatic steps to withdraw from some things. Um, we say there's, there's, you don't have an authentic yes if there's not the possibility of a no. Mm-hmm. So no is an important word right. uh, in life, too, to focus on what you're really good at, what you're passionate about. Why would you not do that? Yeah. Why would you not do that? People think they're trapped in. You're not trapped in. Yeah. There, are, there are, you know, I could go on, but getting the energy of people around you to help make those transitions, I think, is key and important. And you don't have to be rich. You don't have to have the resources that I or Bridgeway do to make those transitions. Great. Thank you so much for talking with us. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, John. Thank you, Catherine. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.